Introducing Mortgage Matters. This is a great time to go buy a house. This is when the real estate fortunes are made. A show dedicated to helping you navigate the challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac were put into conservatorship in 2008 and continued to dominate the mortgage market. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Brody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess... Is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage. live outrage. from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time talking for about. Mortgage Matter. Hey, good morning, everybody. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. It is September 1st. Hey. <laughs> Dan's dropping his dropping phone. I got phone. dead headphones. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, can you guys believe it's already September? I can't believe it. Time no. to get your Uggs out. Yeah. Got some Uggs? You own any Uggs? I don't own any Uggs. No. Get your Uggs and your PSL. Got some PSLs, Dan? I don't think so. No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's like, um, am I That's supposed a- to know what that is? <laughs> Come on, you guys don't even have your fall starter kits ready. That's your pumpkin spice latte. Ah, okay. I don't. I don't. Now we got it. (laughs) Have you ever tried one of those? No. Yes. Kind of good. Yeah. It's like grinding up a like a Thanksgiving pumpkin pie in a cup. (laughs) Oh yeah, it's very good. But it's more calories than that. Yeah. Yeah, it's September. I know we're uh, gonna have a little bit more hot weather before it fully starts to shift into like fall mode, but September starts to feel kind of folly, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I saw at Costco the other day they already had that uh, like Halloween costumes and stuff were already out in the store. Here we go. Oh boy. <laughs> We talk about Halloween a lot in my house. Do you? My daughter was talking about it yesterday. When you have a three-year-old and a five-year-old, any holiday where there's candy involved gets talked about a lot. Uh-huh. Christmas, Easter, Halloween. Yeah, and my daughter's at the... Uh, well, yeah, we talk about birthdays a lot. Birthdays, Birthdays are, <laughs> <laughs> This is mostly with my daughter. The boys are over it, right? <laughs> I mean... 16 and 14 they're like whatever just too cool for most stuff but my daughter she told me yesterday she said you know i was thinking this is literally yesterday it's funny that we're talking about she said i was thinking that we should um i'd like to do my birthday in new york this year (laughs) (laughs) what wow and i was like oh yeah yeah i'll play along (laughs) the birthday thing shifts every two weeks you Uh, know One day we're going to be like on an African safari for her birthday. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, I was thinking I'd like to do my birthday in New York this year. Her birthday is December 30th. She's like, we could hang out, stretch it into like a a good week. And then we would have, uh, we'd get to watch the ball drop in Times Square on New Year's Eve. Mm. So, but I think it's going to be too cold and too crowded. So I don't think I'm going to do my birthday in New York this year. And I was like, oh, bummer. Wow, it shifted in the same conversation. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just laughing. (laughs) Yeah, baby. Everybody does their 10th birthday in in New York. Yeah, it's going to be a big one. Um, My wife... (laughs) <laughs> My wife was watching a show the other day with the with the uh, the Kardashian family. I didn't even know that was still a show. Those guys are still around doing things. Mm-hmm. 
and they were. Vinnie Falcone takes the baton now. <laughs> one of the most exciting pieces of music of all of my years. This Don Custer arrangement of the Fred F. John Candor love song. Oh well, I so we cut out all the Frankie yeah, stuff right. here, but you get, you're getting the feeling, <laughs> right? Spreading the news. Boom, 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 boom. I'm leaving today. <laughs> Well, anyways, they they do do things like go to New York right. for somebody's On a tenth birthday. Yeah. yeah, they're like, uh, yeah, and then they were laughing about. I don't know. I obviously I was like, my wife had it on. I was not really paying attention, but she's. I I heard her say something about like, yeah, the babies are all wearing Gucci, so I thought I'd wear something else because Gucci's like. I don't know, the only designer thing that I think I even know. But I just was laughing, like, you got babies wearing Gucci? That, got to find something to do with all that money. That being famous <laughs> business pays, man. It does. We might be doing it wrong. <laughs> hmm. Well, good times. So we're back. It's it, the, uh, the bumper is correct today. It's Dan and Jason on Mortgage Matters. That's really exciting. Wow. Seems like it's been few of those recently yeah how did it go last week it was a good show it's a good show yeah yeah anything exciting happen um you know just it's always exciting here it's hard to pick out the highlight right (laughs) just yeah it's just like an elevated game so it just feels like it's all at that level yeah i saw russ this week um Russ Goldman, right? Oh, the he's the uh, KG, the GJ, GJ. Gardner um, affiliate owner here locally and based in Paso Robles. Yeah. He's been on the show a couple times. One of the hustlers in our office got him into the conference room with a um, like a, a realtor and then a guy that owns um, a piece of dirt, owns a piece of dirt, like Big trying to put together a <laughs> hundred and something units of, yeah. of housing. And, um, so I was, you know, for her, I'm like, great job, you know, get out there and make some introductions and see if you can get lucky. Um, but yeah, anyways, I, we got caught in the lobby and I was like, Hey Russ. Cause he wasn't sure. She wasn't sure that, you know, we knew each other. So oh, I'm having these people in if you want to meet him. So when he came in, I was like, Hey Russ, what's up? So we sat in the lobby for a minute and we were just chatting and, um, I was asking him, you know, what's going on, man? How's, how's things? Cause he said he's involved in multiple spec homes right now and building stuff kind of all over the place. And, Right away, like he couldn't wait to tell me um, that the building community locally was getting nervous. Oh, yeah, really? yeah. Um, and from you know those things that we do talk about on the show, like I was sharing this a couple weeks ago, that um, the National Home Builder Association was sharing that their sentiment had kind of dropped by one point, and which wasn't. A, a big amount, it's still a positive sentiment, but that they were concerned about, you know, land and construction costs, labor costs, material costs. And so I just, I didn't even bait Russ or anything. I just was like, really, what's, why, you know? And he said, oh man, he's like the, um, everything's just gone up so much. He said that like, the wood cost was up something like 40% to date. Cited several material costs that were up 40 to 50% year to date. And basically just said, um, 
the cost of the materials are now so high. Um, he said some of it is tariff related, but others completely not and was going this way anyway. Huh. Some of it's the environmental things, but just basically that it's the the cost to put these boards together and build a home is just dragging that value ever higher. And, you know, I was like, well, he, he, he was quick to draw the conclusion of, well, there's a breaking point, right? How many people can afford homes that are, you know, need to be priced at $700,000 just to, just to get, you know, the cost of the materials and the dirt and, you know, everything that takes to how many people can buy a house for 700 grand. Well, it turns out in our County, it's about one fourth of the people, which is kind of a lot, right? Well, I mean, sure. When you break it down, what we've got 250,000 people in the County and a quarter of them. Yeah. I mean, that's lots of thousands of people, but it's, I mean, what, 60,000 people or so, Um, but it just doesn't, I mean, a lot of those people already own homes. Right. So. Well, and this is the interesting thing, too, is like we're trying to reconcile this stuff in housing right now, what's going on with new construction. So this month, I've got to get my computer booted up here so I can share with you some of the actual notes, but the, the new construction, like new home sales, inventory grew a little bit. Right. And the pace is slowing down a little bit. But year over year. Still up. Still it's strong. Good. But that's really just a product of these projects that finally emerged from the from the downturn. And it took them 10 years to become houses. I'll bet you that nationally that average is probably somewhere between five and seven years. Yeah. From, okay, let's, let's commence the study analyze this thing, see if it's a worthy spot to do some housing and then to go for it. Um, I know that locally I've talked to some builders that say it's every bit of 10 years around here. Yeah. Um, so I'm just, I'm kind of, when I say it's five to seven years, I'll bet you there's like parts in, I don't know, Texas or something where planning is very much like breezes through, do it. Sure. (laughs) But yeah, it's easy to show great year over year growth when you're coming off of bad years. But then you have existing home sales, which are hurting. <laughs> I mean, down again. Yeah. Um, and that's not, I mean, it, this is, I always feel like we got to slow down and walk through this a little bit. When existing, the volume of existing home sales are down, fewer people are selling a home that's previously lived in. And um, man, I found myself thinking about this week. How... How likely are you to sell your house when you have a three and a half 30 year fix or a 4% 30 year fix? Even if the market rate today is only four and three quarters, um, and, and we're only going to see that compounded then in the next several years, right? Right. So I tell you, if I was in that situation, I wouldn't be moving because I just was dissatisfied with some cosmetic features of my house or. You know, something like that, that I could maybe fix myself. I would, the only way I would move is if I needed to move locations for a reason, maybe for a job, maybe for a school district, whatever, um, or family growth or, or de- decrease in size that led me to want a smaller or larger home that maybe wasn't 
something I wanted to endure as far as like a remodel. Yeah, the most recent few conversations I've had with people that are in that boat are like one couple, um, both recently retired, like in the last five years. And um, they're in a two-story house. And they started to say, hey, wait a minute. As we're like kind of setting up long-term planning, like we're where we want to be. They love their neighborhood. They love their house. But they're realizing that a two-story home is just not a practical thing to have. As you get into those years where making it up and down stairs is going to be really challenging. So they're like, okay, well, let's do it now. Right. Um, okay, that makes sense. Uh, and at that point, you you can't really worry too much about the tax base change, right? You But you have interest rate change. But if you wait, I mean – we the feds have doubled down time and time again we're to expect at least four if not six more rate hikes in the next like 15 months here so that puts us at, at a quarter point apiece that puts us at interest rates a 30 year fix should be somewhere around 6 or just over 6% sounds like you should do it now right cash yeah. in your four for your four and three quarters instead of your four for your six that's pretty brutal. But so that that's that that interesting conversation now. Is I, I'm going to accept it now. Uh, national sentiment, and I'm even starting to see it now happen here locally enough. People are describing a change in real estate and how the market seems to be switching. But um, I still want to get back to that conversation about just this crazy demand. Um, obviously there's an over demand and it continues to push prices. So if the builders now are talking about, Hey, when you just do the math with the materials cost, the land cost, the labor costs, all of which are very high right now, by the time you come out with a finished product, you're talking seven, $800,000 in many parts of the county, in the bedroom community, parts of the county, to put a house together, that's a that's a lot of money. And like I told Russ, I was like, man, that's freaky too because in a Tascadero, it seems like houses north of seven hundred and fifty grand are pretty tough to sell right now. Um, I see them sitting and I hear some stories. There's one down at the end of my road. Um, I don't know if it's sold yet or not. It was listed by Bruce from Patterson and amazing house on some acreage with some orchard and some horse facilities and stuff. And I looked at it and I was like, man, that, that is an amazing property and it's worth a bit more than my house. Um, but that jump, like there just there aren't people that want to pay eight, nine hundred thousand dollars or million dollars for a place on a dirt road in a Tascadero. So I mean there are, but they're they're they take longer to market. They're a harder product to sell. So you're that's not a segment of the market that's flying off the shelf. I was gonna say want and ability are two very different things. I mean, I can want a Ferrari, but can I actually afford a Ferrari? Um, it's, but do you want to afford a Ferrari? <laughs> I want to afford you, one. <laughs> I don't know about that, Dan. I think you lay all that stuff out. So what I go through a lot is like, okay, I can identify my wants pretty easily. And then I can look at like my, um, ability. Okay. You know, maybe I can get those balls in the air, but then do you want to make that your reality. And I think that's what a lot of people are having to, to kind of buckle down and, and talk through 
if you're we're back to that place in the housing market that if you're buying you're buying um arguably at the top again and i don't say the top as to suggest that it could go down much more in fact i think it's probably opposite it continues to go up however um do you want to tie yourself into that to have that long-term obligation of maintaining a property where the monthly cost of it could put financial be- strain on you, let alone the ongoing maintenance costs, the, yeah. you know, whatever you're dissatisfied with or the improvements that you need to make. It's, <laughs> it's a lot, you know? Yeah. Um, Up, I mean, you're talking in that seven to 800,000 range, unless you have a very large down payment, you're talking upwards of $4,000 a month. Oh, yeah, you could be any more, especially if you have limited down payment. You could be $4,500 a month mortgage payment on that thing. You're and I got to suggest you got to be something special to be making a mortgage payment that's 4,500 bucks a month. So, it's funny we're talking For about For 30 this. years too, yeah. right? I was helping one of our loan officers um, pre-qualify a buyer, a husband and wife couple looking to buy a home. They they're looking in North County. He's a winemaker. Um, wants one of those little, you know, ranchettes, the hobby farm type thing, couple acres, you know, five acres, maybe, um, be able to do a little hobby winery sure. type deal. And they found a place, beautiful home, about one, 1.2 million, 1.3 million. Um, so I don't know. That seems about like what those properties are listed at. Maybe you could find some a little cheaper, um, but they don't have a huge down payment. So they're looking at well at a lot twenty financing a lot twenty percent downs two hundred fifty grand right Who's and I got? think they're looking more at like ten percent down the payment on that I mean these people have good credit really good income but the payment was just shy of eight thousand dollars a month and I guess when the loan when our loan officer was consulting with the husband and wife the wife like pulled the husband in the other room and said you are crazy yeah. We're gonna pay eight thousand dollars a month for the next thirty years? That's insane. I mean, if you look at just the income and what the likely take home is, I mean, they could afford it. Still have a few thousand dollars a month left well, in discretionary income, but that's a lot of money a month. It's also and I a think ton that's of where confidence. a lot of people are. Yeah, well, in in that particular case too, that's there's a lot of confidence that you're going to have that you're going to be at that elevated level then for so many years. Right. Um I'm I don't want to suggest that winemaking is just like home building, but I knew a lot of winemakers that were licking wounds around the same time too when the economy slowed down, guess what? They aren't buying as much <laughs> they aren't buying as much boutique wine. Right. They aren't vacationing to Paso Robles to stay in like a, a bed and breakfast at, you know, with a cushy oak studded view. The, it was different. And that's one of the things now I think it's been good enough for a few years is that you got a lot of people thinking that that Ballin's the way we're doing now. Yeah. You know, we, yeah, we, everybody's making money. Look around. This is how it always is. This is how it goes. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, you guys. I remember this feeling about uh, uh, 15 years ago. You're, I love I love that you're recreating again. Your uh, RV, boat, motorcycle enthusiasm is awfully familiar. <laughs> your vacationing, you know, bed and breakfast style in these different places for your like little weekend getaways. Like those, 
Just remember, it's not always that way. And I'm not saying don't go enjoy yourself, but remember that when you sign yourself up to crack an $8,000 a month nut. And and here's the other thing, Dan, where I always – this is the underwriter in me, okay? Um, what are you paying today, guy that is like, we could do eight grand a month. What are you paying today? Let's say he lives in like an executive estate or something, right? Maybe he's paying four grand a month. That's a pretty significant payment shock of doubling your monthly payment. Um, so I got to ask, where's your savings, bud? Not to mention, so you're self-employed? That's cool. I'm glad that's working out for you. Um, on September 15th, we all have uh, our tax payments due again. And you know, then they're going to come again at the end of the year. And then in April, we're going to owe again. So you really should be sitting on quite a bit of cash right now if you believe you've got the ability not only to outlay a bunch of capital for down payment like that, but also to have some money left in you for like making sure that if something switches a little bit in the broader economy, that that $8,000 a month payment is going to kill you. Usually, you know, you see any financial advisor worth their salt tells people you should have six months worth of your monthly expenses and savings that aren't at risk of needing to be used for your vacation or your root canal, just some set-asides. Um, so, I mean, just that, if you if you can only put 10% down on that property, I, I just got to suggest you're a little too early. Um, unless, you know, and there's always more to the story. Yeah. Wife just got out of med school or something, and there's huge income changes on the horizon. Sometimes those things can make some sense, but it's usually like uh, I usually just end up feeling like if you're moving up into that, hey, everybody look at me kind of house. Uh, you should probably be pretty financially like pat and ready for it, not still crafting the plan and trying to scrape together a creative loan program that accepts minimum down payment kind of thing. Yeah. At the same time, I th- I think that the reason we're seeing some of these housing numbers starting to turn downward, starting to slow a little bit, has to do with people having these real realizations that you know, what are we buying for this amount of money? What are we really getting into? Am I really going to buy a fixer upper for six, 700,000 bucks? Something that's, you know, it's all dated from the 1970s or 80s. Well, and remember this, uh, this, this is just the way it works is that buying real estate I mean, unless you're building your custom dream home with a limitless budget, buying real estate at any level is really a process of elimination and settling. Mm -hmm. You look at what's on the market, you rule out the ones that have instant dissatisfiers or that lack that grand staircase in the entrance or whatever your thing is that you just have to have, and you... Um, you run through whatever the inventory is and you just, by process of elimination, you find the one that you can settle on, okay? And I think people, most people, if you stopped and thought about it, you'd agree is that you you thought about the neighborhoods you'd be willing to live in, the ones you wouldn't. You looked at the homes and the ones that you would. You ruled them out for various reasons until you found one that you're like, yeah, I guess of everything that's available, this is the one I'll take. I know it feels like a glass half empty kind of sentiment I'm sharing right now, but it's not. It's it's like the realistic way that real estate works. Yeah, you Figure never out what you need, narrow down what's available into what will work for you. It's a process of elimination. Right. Now, 
process of elimination. Double that down with the super high cost of real real estate with interest rates coming off of their you know historical lows, and you have to now be going, dang, do I want to be settling now at these prices at these rates for these houses? And if you're buying in San Luis County, there's a lot of that, man, because we don't have a huge inventory of what's available, right? I mean, we just don't. And you're wherever it is that you're going to buy, um, you're you got to realize what the value is and the timing and all that stuff. And unless your hands really being forced to move quickly, I think people are finally just having a little bit of breathing room to sit down and be able to sort all that out. Yeah. They don't when they're being forced out of their rental, right? Or something's going on where, you know, the landlord is selling the house they live in and they've got to go. Now they're they're not going to be able to to kind of sit and be as analytical, but it really doesn't it makes me feel like that component, uh, that lack of inventory component is likely to continue to drive these prices upward. Yeah. And then people that just won't sell. And they're because they got a good tax rate, they got a good interest rate, they are happy with where they are. And, you know, I think everybody always wants more. That's kind of the human condition, right? Ever improving your situation. But. I think so many people now have such a good deal in their house when you look around to what it would be if you were just entering today. And so very, very few of those people want to sell that house, you know, so the ones that are selling seem like they're the, um, the real entry level home, right? You can find whatever the cheapest one is. On Wednesday, we had the pending home sales numbers come out and they... Like what we're talking about, they were showing a little bit of uh, downward trending here. The The month-over-month month move was down 0.7%, and the year-over-year year was down 2.3% for pending home sales. So we're kind of seeing the same numbers across all the different housing, or, or the same trends among all the different housing numbers. The only thing that's really showing positive growth is new home sales, but really it's because there's finally more new homes available to sell um, but yeah. overall, just home sales activity is slowing down. Um, you know, there was also a, a the case Schiller, I think. Yeah, case Schiller. There was also the uh, case the Schiller was pretty one. flat. It was up point one percent. Yeah, but still year over year six point three percent, which is still but above norm. It is above norm, but, but it's starting down. to slow down. Sure. You know, it's it's trending down from higher six percent earlier this year and seven percent. More important is it was below expectation. <laughs> I just think that with the affordability issue, you've got we definitely have demand. We have a lack of supply, driving demand, but we have a lack of affordability. We have these prices where you're just like going, what am I buying? What am I getting for this amount of money? It's crazy. And I think those those ingredients just keep leading me to believe that we're going to see appreciation continue to slow to a point where we probably are just in a period of flat, flat gr- growth, no growth as far as home value is concerned. Maybe unless, unless you we have see supply and demand growth. issues, I think. Well, we still we do have supply and demand issues, but it is there's my point. 
I, I like where you're going with this, that you could just see that we're not likely to see big drop and a big reversal where we no. see negative home growth. But I think what's more likely is as things get more expensive, the new homes become more expensive, everything becomes more expensive, um, you're you're just more likely to see home values continue to climb as people fight and claw their way into being able to buy. I think there's still so much uh, need with population growth, especially in places like this where people really want to be here. Um, and you know, the but other we're thing already too, hearing stories of of there being more price declines than what we're used to. At in the, the same time, price. too, we still are living in an era where ninety what 96% of homes being originated right now are using a 30-year fixed or some fixed true. rate loan. True, true. So how long will it be before people start getting an adjustable rate loan? Well, we're going to have to wait for the, the Cause, yield curve Because let change. me ask you this, Dan. <laughs> if you were, if you were um, in a home, right, with a young family and you were like, uh, another bedroom would be really great. Like, let's say you're in a two bedroom and now you have your second kid and you you can tough it out for a while. Newborn kind of sleeps in your room beside your bed in your bed. Um, and then you could throw a crib in your toddler's room. You're kind of going to get by, but at some point you're like, dude, I really need a three bedroom home. You own this two bedroom home and you have a three and a half 30 year fix or 4% 30 year fix. And you're, you know, you're making it happen in an entry-level home, getting it done. I don't really want to move up home. I'm not trying to get a nicer home. I see one more bedroom. So then I go, well, mm, interest rate's 5.5% if I sell my house and just buy a three-bedroom. Or I get an adjustable rate mortgage, get it fixed for five years at 4%. So my payment really won't change, even though the 30-year fix is at six today. I can get this arm for four, which is basically what I have now on my two. It solves my problem. I know I'm giving up some of that security, but five years, a lot can change. My business will be bigger. I'll probably be a manager. My wife will be back to work. People think of all these things about why five years from today, the future is a lot brighter. And so there you go. Then you're creating more of that affordability based on a loan product. And that's one thing that we're not weighing in at all. So everyone that's talking about these corrections and this lack of affordability haven't yet met 6% 30-year fix with the 4% arm. And that's probably pretty close to what it'll be once it all starts to shake out in a year, year and a half. Yeah, once there's a... A big spread between a thirty-year fix. There's no spread right, right now. now. We have a we have this situation right now that's been lasting for quite a while called a flat yield curve, where the short-term rates are very similar to the long-term rates. So there's no value. Yeah, there's no real benefit. So we're not seeing any arms done. So now, once we get those the the arms or the adjustable rate mortgage, once those start coming back into the market to improve affordability now we know with all the new laws and stuff it's not going to change their qualification so they still need to be able to afford it but we've always had this issue where people qualify for more than they really want to pay so there'll be some room there that'll yeah. be the that'll get us through at least a few more you know three or four five six more quarters once things start to near that six percent level 
Um, and then who knows what else, man? Maybe we'll have some kind of new, you know, Martian loan where uh, you haven't even thought of how awesome this new loan is yet that cuts everybody's house payment in half. And all you got to do is like put some tracker chip in your neck or something to get the great deal. You never know. I mean, there could be some other new fancy thing. Let's do a commercial break here. Take some time out to uh, thank the sponsors. And, yeah, we'll be back in a couple minutes here with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. If you're like most investors, the constant ups and downs of the stock market have you on edge. How do you make sure you keep your gains without jumping ship too soon? At Century Financial Consultants, they have an investment strategy where your money is completely protected against market losses. You go up with the stock market, your gains locked in, and when the market goes down, you don't lose anything. Literally, you go up, never down, forwards, never backwards. Sounds too good to be true? See for yourself for free. Call Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 805-324-7914. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. There's a common myth that home buyers need to save a 20% down payment to buy a home. The fact is, we offer numerous zero down and low down payment loan programs. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre approved. Just call 543 Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRE number 0183960008. California DBO number 6054783. NMLS number 328358. Mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Start spreading the news. I'm leaving today. I want to be a part of it. New York, New York, these vagabond shoes, they are longing to stray right through the very heart of it, New York, New York. All right, guys, welcome back. Nobody does the song like him. Oh, absolutely nobody. No. And, I mean, you can just hear that unfiltered cigarette in there and that (laughs) boomy man voice. There it is. I just think it's funny. Her daughter wanted to go to New York for her 10th birthday. 
<laughs> Gotta dream big. Yeah, there you are. That's great. It is pretty funny. <laughs> I think it's tough having a birthday on December 30th. <laughs> you know? Everyone's basically, like, pretty over it. And we've always talked about doing, like, a, you know, the the, the half birthday out there in, in June. But that's not your real birthday. So we always try to make a real extra effort to help her have a special time. But, you know, she doesn't get to have, like cupcakes at school or really even like we've tried to do like birthday parties in the past but people are out of town or they're like they're just wiped out from yeah they got that Christmas Christmas and (laughs) just like I just gotta get through New Year's and then go back to work need these kids to go back to school anyway (laughs) it's gotta be tough those children born in December See, I was born on Cinco de Mayo, so I do not understand that whatsoever. Uh, everybody is down to party on Cinco de Mayo, friend and foe. It's like, this is, we can't wait. It's May. I mean, we're yeah. almost, you know, it's almost summertime. Weather's good. The beer's cold. And even the, the Mexican people are like, it's not our Independence Day. But let's party. <laughs> but let's go ahead and party. Why That's not? That's actually sometime it's next like a, Sometime next week, because I think it's in September. Is yeah, it? it is. It's September. Oh, that's why you said next week. Sometime I was, next I was week, thinking. I, believe, I was picturing yeah. you saying that on Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, it's sometime see. next week, like May twelfth. Like, no, nah, Jim, it's in September, buddy. Yeah, let's. Yeah, I do. I think it's September. I'm gonna try to Google it right now. Mexican. It's next week. Hey, Jim. Yeah. Um. You can just type whatever you want to search right into the address bar. You don't have to type Google and then oh, in the Google bar type true. what you want to search. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, you just blew it up for me. Oh, oh and <laughs> September 15th. Oh, and September Jim, that was 15th. a single click where you just double clicked. Jim, yeah. that's just a you only use a single click. Hey, I got I got the I got the information. Jim's like I'm, I'm He's just like I've tuned you guys out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just happy to be on the line. <laughs> It's September 15th or 16th. One of the two. Yeah. September 16th. There we are. Very good. Good. Thank you. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but National Talk Like a Pirate Day is September 19th. Are you ready? (laughs) (laughs) September what? 19th. 19th? I only know that because I have a friend whose birthday is that day. Who? Tim. Tim? Yeah. Which is very fitting for him. Anyway, last year on the <laughs> pirate day thing, I went somewhere and there was a gal uh, dressed up as a pirate talking like a pirate. And I was like, man, look at you. Like, this is your day. Right. You're in your lane right now. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like pirates are like very admirable people. Uh, With all the plundering yeah. and the raping and the pillaging, <laughs> you know, they're they're like they make their their life on the high seas, just taking stuff from other people and killing them along the way, and they just spend their days drunk. Are there good pirates? No, that's like Robin Hood. Those guys got off the boat, man. <laughs> they hit land and they're like, ah, you got to get out of the, you got to get out of the boat with all those pirate guys. There's, <laughs> Oh boy. You know, it's like Pirates of the Caribbean. Right. They came under fire because they had 
you know, the guy chasing the girl or whatever in the thing. And the Yeah, but there was also the girl chasing the guy in one of those scenes, too. There was. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying. Uh, it's like it's a whole underground <laughs> thing of like all the drinking and, yeah. you know, yeah, men chasing women, women chasing men. They're in their like pirate underwear and stuff. It's a weird thing. Whatever. What do I know anyway? Yeah. September what? I'm going to get 19th. ready for it. 19th. I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to go study up and do talk like a pirate day. Yeah. That's fun. We were talking home sales. Um you mentioned uh well, let's kind of run back through it now. I, I do have my notes in front of me. I did before, but you know, we were we were more or less just talking so we could backfill this conversation with a little bit of the the true hard data new home sales declined 1.7% for the month of July. The supply. So this is at the current rate of absorption, how many months worth of new homes there are currently offered for sale. It increased to 5.9 months. Um, but that's essentially the same level of inventory and absorption as there was one year ago. So even though it increased, the volume also increased, which has kept them in lines. So you got to suggest too that, um, that, that, that market is actually doing fine. Uh, we know from the new home sales numbers that they're, um, chipping along at, you know, almost 1.2 million new homes doing well, um, starts and permits continue to be right in line. Permits is more or less an indicator, but permits have been very strong, exceeding starts, which leads us to believe that because you can always pull out on a deal once you've pulled a permit, right? But the fact that builders are still showing up to get permits means they're still interested. And I do suspect that probably nationally, more of the builders are watching carefully, it's not just local that there's a scarcity of land and expensive labor and those kind of things. We know that that's not just a local thing. And we also know that in many of these projects, oftentimes the profit margin to the developer, the builder, landowner, sometimes it's all three the same person or or entity, they're happy to make 10 or 15%. So it's not like there's a huge margin where – you know, you 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 break ground because you have expectation of having a forty percent profit margin, and even if things turn a little bit along the way, you're going to be all right. These guys are going to be carefully analyzing every deal they break ground on. Can we get through this and come out the other side without losing anything? And um, so, anyhow, that that segment of the market seems to be doing pretty well. Existing home sales. For the fourth consecutive month are down. Uh, for the month of July, it was 0.7% declines. Um, the steady home price increases have, have started to, to curtail demand a little bit. Um, inventory is still plenty tight, though, 4.3 months. And we know that um, three to six months, you know, is – Six months is probably good, normal, and balanced. And anything, I mean, less than three, you got to just call full blown crisis level. So seeing these 
the existing home sales sit at 4.3 months worth of inventory. Um, that's tight. The home prices have now gained for 77 consecutive months. We're heading into six and a half years of just bull run in the in the housing market. Um, the annual or I'm sorry, the the median home price was $269,000 in July. Nationally. Nationally. When I read that, I uh, I went and pulled off. I still go over to, um, you know, the Keith Bird Slow County Homes. I pulled some. I, I like to look at the, the sold reports. So this was kind of gross. I know that he's got some tools on there that do some of this stuff for you. But here was my gross version. I took the last 30 days worth of sales in a Tascadero. Knowing that this isn't a huge sampling, it's one month, it's the tail end of home buying season, but what is going on? And um, I didn't write it down, but I'll, I'll share with you the the general idea of what I figured out. There was like 34 homes sold in a Tascadero in that period, and they were an average of like 2,100 square feet, which was bigger than I thought that it would be. And then the average sales price was almost 600,000. And um, yeah, it was crazy. Like the average price per square foot was over 300 bucks, which it was well below that for a long time. And again, I'm telling you averages. So there was a couple big homes in there that probably skewed it a little bit. There was also little homes in there. So um, I know that in, in times it's more important to look at the the median or mean. But um, in this case, I just was kind of floored. Those homes are selling for a lot, and they're also bigger than I thought. I would have figured that the average home, you know, in around town selling is probably sixteen or seventeen hundred square feet. Um, but anyway, it it just it when I looked at it that way, I was like, man, that is very expensive. And um, you know, as you mentioned, wages have got to keep up, right? It's, it's helpful. Yeah, helpful for affordability. Um, two readings of um, consumer confidence and consumer sentiment. Consumer confidence came out this week, um, the highest level since October of two thousand pretty wild um the expectations track um expectations for there's an expectations index basically and it tracks um the future of the next six month of business um and looking basically just believing that it's solid and that it's going to increase um Consumers believed that um, jobs were plentiful and um, no longer hard to get. So that's interesting. You got a lot of people feeling pretty good about the economy. Uh, there was also the consumer sentiment one, you know, from the University of Michigan. This is the other one that comes out. And um, it was pretty good. And... 
you know, basically in line with expectations, nice and high, um, believing, you know, just showing again that people are pretty optimistic. The kind of coupling into that same piece was that we got a read of GDP this week. So this was the second look of three at our second quarter GDP. Um, the quarter over quarter annualized rate of growth at 4.2%. That's pretty crazy. Was I telling you or somebody else, I read this article recently about how the 10-year bond yield will typically mirror the average quarter's GDP? Like the 10-year bond yield should be at 4.2%? And it, it basically says that it will be um, once you have like a year's worth of average of that quarterly GDP. So in other words, if we made an annual pace over the course of of um, three or four quarters that you would then see the 10-year falling in line with it of a 4%. And, and really, I mean, if we're talking about the feds are going to raise interest rates 1% to 1.5%, um, that should put the 10-year somewhere around 4, 4 and a quarter, maybe 4 and 3 eighths. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. And I think what we've we've been more in the two and a half little little north of that in actual annual GDP, which what we're at two point eight four right. on the ten year yield right now. So I guess that makes sense. I had not heard that before. It's interesting. Yeah, I wonder if there's a whole lot of truth behind it, or if it's just like a coincidence that's being noticed. <clears throat> Yeah, I'm not sure. Somebody's theory, anyway. <laughs> um, you mentioned the the Case and Schiller uh, home price index, um, slightly less than expected, but good at six point three percent year over year. The FHA FHFA home price index rose point two percent in June, one point two percent for quarter two. You lose the math in this pretty quick um, where they just shift over into spreading this idea that um, the quarter two pace was the slowest increase in four years. Um, they're essentially paving the way for, hey, everybody, home values are softening. I I continue to wrestle, too, if this is just like that self-fulfilling prophecy. You just keep saying it and you keep saying it, keep saying it. Well, and some of it might just be perception too. As as we've been sitting here talking, I'm thinking, you know, we're all guilty sometimes of having a short memory. Um, and I, I can see that, you know, after this nearly 10 years of homes just flying off at whatever price they're offered um, which, you know, every month, every year continues to be a higher and higher and higher value. Um, that's what we've been used to. So when you see that start to change just a little bit, I mean, now marketing times... Hey, everybody, it's happening! Right, marketing times are all the way up to, you know, four months <laughs> or whatever Not it only. is. <laughs> they're, they're, they're moving up right now to 39 days. Or, yeah, man. I mean, 39 days, really. But, you know, supply is all the way up to four months of supply. <laughs> right. You know, we're still... That's still considered a seller's market. But 
it's different from what we've been used to where it's, you know, a two week marketing time and a supply of less than three months. You know, yeah, it feels like it is softening, but yeah. in reality, it's still, you know, it's still a, a seller's market. Nice and strong. Yeah, the this last week too was the 2018 Economic Symposium in Jackson Hole. Bunch of fancy economists, including the Fed Reserve policymakers, get together. And um, the big takeaway from there was that they really believe and doubled down on this again. That by the end of uh, 2019, they believe that they'll have the interest rate at the target neutral rate of three percent. So. That's where we're headed. I also thought it was interesting that 3% is neutral. And I think it leaves the um, the possibility open that you could have a 4% GDP, 45 maybe 5 Do we scratch 5 What if things do rip along pretty good for the next two or three quarters where the feds move beyond neutral? Have to push that 30-year fix up to 7%. Um that's pretty wild to think about. Uh, right now, we so much of the focus has just been on walls. We we've been normalizing interest rates, right? That's been the talk for the last couple of years. Now we're beginning to hear this common theme of of trying to find neutral. And I almost wonder if that that shift in the words that are being used are trying to beg us into um, drawing the conclusion that well, you know what's after neutral, right? Never know. I mean, that that's part of that normal economic cycle. So I suppose we'll see it coming. But still makes me believe that interest rates are nice and low now. And um, it makes it a great time for people to refi and um, even buy if you're just getting into the market. Looks like there's some headwind coming. But uh, we're going to do a top-of-the-hour commercial break. We'll be out for about five minutes. And we'll be back for a whole other hour of Mortgage Matters. Hope you stick around. tuned into Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. Yo, ho, yo, ho, a pirate's life for me. We pillage, we plunder, we rifle and loot, drink up me hearties, yo, ho. We kidnap and ravage and don't give a hoot, drink up me hearties, yo, ho. Yo, ho, yo. Isn't this song just yeah. written for that movie? Or the ride? The ride, yeah. Make it seem like pirates just like oh. sang songs as they cruise around. <laughs> what else are you going to do? Yeah, of course they yeah. There it is. <laughs> I doubt it's as glorious, man. I bet pirate boats are stinky. They probably I have don't think they were that great. No, I mean, <laughs> poor hygiene. There's a reason it was called the poop deck, by the way, too. Mm-mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not the most sanitary places either. Well. <laughs> um, before the break, we I'd kind of started to tease a little bit about how um, we know interest rates are going up. And uh, one of the clients that I started working with this week, they bought a home almost two years ago. 
used another lender in a Tascadero, one of the locals, got an FHA loan with an interest rate of 4.75%. That's where you should be all, dang, two years ago, a 4.75? Oh, oh, FHA? I I didn't catch the two year ago part. Yeah, two two years ago. Dang. I think a 30-year fixed FHA was running in the the threes, the low threes. Well, and this woman was super sweet too, and she said, um, you know, of course she got told by her real estate agent to go use this lender who she really knew well and trusted. And she said she ends up saying to me, she said, "Wow, so I I want to look into refinancing." But I have this good rate of 4.75, and uh, I understand that conventional loans have an interest rate that's that's well over 5% right now. And um, I think my lender overestimated the value of my home. So I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's go one step at a time. First of all, um, was your lender estimating the value of your home for – um, she said, well, he told me that I, my mortgage insurance would stop when I had 20% equity. And I said, no, you made a minimum down payment and you got an FHA loan. Your mortgage insurance is going to last for the life of the loan. So the value of your home is completely irrelevant. If you keep that loan, you'll pay your mortgage insurance forever. The mortgage insurance factor is 0.85% of the loan amount. It's essentially interest. So- Take the f- the, the rate four point seven five now plus point eight five, and that's your, real rate. that's your real rate, which is radically more than the conventional interest rate, which your lender and I'm air quoting now because your lender seems like they're a total joke, saying that that conventional rate is north of five percent. It is not. Um, maybe it is for them. But you could get, you know, in a refi, look a little bit further into it with their scenario. Their their interest rate probably would be closer to 4.75, 4.875 maybe um, and not have mortgage insurance anymore. So I spent some time explaining to them, hey, on the FHA loan, you got to know that that's life of loan MI and that because it's a percentage of the amount you're borrowing that's due every month. It's really the same thing as interest. There's really no difference. And so um, that, I guess, would be part of the um, the reason I bring this up is I want to remind everybody um, there's a lot of lenders out there, you guys, and many of them um, just – unfortunately, I think we're in an industry where there's some deceitful people that just say what they need to say to get a deal. And um, that's really a bummer. I hate that. I hate that for our industry. There's too much of that. People just willing to say whatever they need to say just to get somebody's foot in the door. Um, And then if it's not that, sometimes it's just that these loan officers are low caliber people. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're talking about. Maybe that person that told her that really thought the FHA mortgage insurance ended after five years. Um, It's hard for me to imagine how you're confused about that. 
because if you do FHA loans, you work for a HUD approved lender, you have access to all the information and it's really critical that you understand it well enough to explain it clearly. Um, well, and it's disclosed yeah, that it's right there for the life of the loan. Right. And so that's sad. So whether it was somebody that was being purposefully deceitful or is just incompetent, does it really, I mean, there's not a whole heck of a lot of difference. And in these borrowers' life, there's really no difference. They're in a deal that they shouldn't be in, that they never should have gotten in the first place, and they could and should refinance out of it as soon as they possibly can. Um, a lot of the refi conversation on the show and around the office has fallen off, right? Refis have become a very small amount of the business that we do. But this was a good reminder for me um, to want to talk about it a little bit on the show today is uh, if you have a loan with mortgage insurance, there's it's a good idea to understand how it can be canceled, how it can be reduced. Sometimes you don't need to refinance to get rid of it. Um, sometimes it's never going away unless you do refinance. So uh, I just want to tell everybody that's listening today, and if it's not you, it's your coworker or it's your um, your daughter or your grandson. Most of us know somebody in 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 the area here that bought a home and didn't have a hundred thousand dollars down and have some kind of mortgage insurance, right? I mean, that's a just a normal thing anymore. And so, um, I guess what I'm wanting to tell you is, don't be afraid to just call us and and check it out. We can explore it. Um, there's so many times where, and I want to remind you, this is a live radio show right now. So if I'm wrong, call and say so. Um, there's plenty of times. In fact, I'd say every time that somebody called us, had a consultation, um, and we said, you know what? You're better off keeping what you got. We're not chasing you around and adding you into the, we call three times a day and make your life a living hell until you you know, do a loan with us or something. Um, we're not that kind of shop at all. I know that those, those kind of shops do exist. That's not our game plan at all. Um, I want to do a loan for you if it's, you know, in your best interest, of course, it's mutually beneficial for us. I do home loans for a living, but oftentimes somebody who come in, we can look at their scenario and say, Hey, no, you're not going to go down this path. This is what you're going to do. Um, we're going to challenge your mortgage insurance. I helped a couple buy a house in Santa Margarita um, a couple years ago. They happen to be friends of ours, and you know them, but um, it doesn't change the story at all for the people, um, you know, out there listening. These guys came to us with some credit dings and some challenges, and um, essentially bought an FHA uh, a house with an FHA loan in Santa Margarita. And they were really rubbing pennies together to make it happen. You know, gifts from mom, gifts from dad, a lender credit, you know, just whatever it could just to get a foot in the door. And I guess it was probably, I'd have to look, but it was probably 18 months later maybe or so. Um, and we did a conventional loan for them because, yes, the interest rate was higher. However, um, 
that mortgage insurance thing we're talking about. Plus, it was never going away. And we know, and because this is somebody that we used to work with, he's not in our industry anymore, but he knows enough to know that um, in our in our relationship, he basically just says, you know, you tell me what would you do? And that's what I do. And so I said, I'd get out of it as soon as I could. Just in case these rates just continue to go through the roof, you want to be in a conventional loan where when you have the equity, your mortgage insurance can stop. That's a big deal. And so he did, and we did a conventional loan. And then he came to me about six months ago and said, hey, uh, the neighbor sold a house, and I'm pretty sure like it, it seems hard to believe that anybody could look at this and not see that I have 20% equity now. So I said, okay, cool. So get in there and look at it again. Um, man, that deal that they got was a pretty good one. It's like a four and a quarter conventional loan, which at the time was high. It was like, dude, you have a three. I think he had a three and a quarter or a three and three eighths FHA. So it felt nuts, to be honest with you. It was basically just jumping to this higher interest rate. Um you know, there was going to be a savings once the MI stopped, but for some time it was just a wash. So anyhow, I think it went from three and three quarters to to four and a quarter. So anyhow, um, we looked at it and was like, yep. And rather than do a refi, because he had a good rate, uh, walked him through how to challenge his mortgage insurance. And so um, every servicer does this a little bit differently, but they did a um, BPO, a broker price opinion from a local real estate agent who they they made contact with and however they paid them, whatever they did. Um, and they came back with a finding that they had 24 point something equity in their home and said they had a a policy that um, for loans that were less than two years old, if you had less than 25% equity, they would stick you until you were at 25. And so I see Dan's already making a weird face. Like that's not the law. That's not the rule. Well, I'm making this face because it's a premium paid by the homeowner that protects that servicer. So if I can convince somebody to pay an insurance premium that protects me, heck yeah, I'm going to do that all day long. Right. So that's what they're doing. It's a, it's well, self-benefiting for that, for that service. But so here's what the servicer said though. He basically said, um, in seven, seven more payments, like literally write seven more mortgage checks to us and you'll amortize to the 25% equity and we'll cancel it. And so he could probably fight. He could probably throw a fit. Yeah. But he was happy with that result because the mortgage insurance was still a couple hundred bucks a month. So he's like, man, I owe 1400 bucks more and then my payment drops this 200 bucks a month and I'm good. And then I have a long-term loan that's below market interest. Um <clears throat> Those are that's a great example of the kind of person that I, I'm trying to, to to get to right now is to say if you have mortgage insurance or an FHA loan, um, you should call us just to to check it out. Let us look at it and tell you, hey, you've got a good loan here once you get out of the MI. Um and then, you know, the other thing too is that 
oftentimes I think that people like this, one of the guys that plays softball with us, I'll also let him remain nameless. But I said, um, we're talking refi stuff and, um, he just so radically underestimated the value of his house. Like, what do you think your house is worth? And he's like, oh, dude, at least five and a quarter. And I'm like, dude, you own a nice house in Templeton, 525. Like, you're not even close, not even in the wheelhouse. And he's like, I oh, know everybody thinks their house is worth so much more than it is. He's like, oh, I just think it's probably worth 525. That's ridiculous. So turns out the house is worth like 660. And I'm bringing that up, too, because um, what do you do for a living? <laughs> what do you spend your 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week at work on? Uh, I'm not going to come try to talk to you about uh, what you do and um, explain to you, you know, at the same time, like, this is what I do, man. I'm doing this every single day. Um, I look at a lot of loans. I've been doing loans in our county for 15, 16 years. I, I'm telling you, I have a pretty good handle on what houses are worth, how these things work. Um, so some of you guys are like, yeah, no, I have mortgage insurance, but I just don't think my house is worth enough. Um, again, it doesn't hurt to call. Figure, Give us a call. Let's see. Let's make sure that you're right and you can go back to – being a physics professor at Cal Poly or something, you know, it's a, it's not a bad thing to to trust an expert that that knows what they're talking about. Um, so, you know, anyhow, that that person that has mortgage insurance, um, does mortgage insurance make you angry? Does insurance make you angry? I mean, I'm an insurance <laughs> adverse person to begin with. You know, they sell the the extended warranties. I'm a I'm a hard pass every time. Um, I, I get the insurance I have to have, right? That's how I am. And so, yeah, mortgage insurance is something that benefits. It protects the truth about insurance is that, um, yeah, mortgage insurance is a unique beast because you're not even the beneficiary. No, um, that should make you want out of it as fast and soon as possible. Um, you know, you also have life insurance, right? Yeah. We have insurance, and in insurance is one of those things where um, nobody wants it. You never want to have to use it. But once you do <laughs> use it, boy, are you thankful that you have it. Right. And are you thankful that you have the amount that you have and that you're working with the person you're working with when you're going through that claims process, whether it's for your car, your home, or your your life insurance, right? That's a... Those are you. The only people that are happy about insurance at that point are the ones that are that have it and they're using it. I had, um, of course, medical insurance. Got yep. that, of course. And uh, man, I have to pay this every month, and I never use it. Then all of a sudden, one year, I uh, got sick and used a hundred thousand dollars worth of it. Yeah. So it's like, which would destroy yeah. you, <laughs> right? right. You know? I mean, how yeah. many how many of your piggy yeah. banks would you have to crack open to yeah. pay that exactly. hundred grand? Why? That bill for $100,000 and then, oh, this is what you owe after yeah. that. Boy, yeah. That was um, <laughs> Okay, so mortgage insurance, difference. though. Huge, huge, huge difference. I want to go back and tell you about mortgage insurance again. Uh, Dan touched on this. You are not the beneficiary. 
when I do a mortgage insurance policy, you know, FHA, USDA, they're all a little bit different, but let, let's just talk about conventional mortgage insurance here. I make you take a mortgage insurance policy out on your house. Um, if you have only 5% down, I make you have 35% coverage, okay? 35% coverage of the loan amount, and that's the exposure that I'm covered at. So I give you a loan for $100,000, with 35% coverage, you go belly up for whatever reason, get hit by a train, lose your job, whatever. You stop. You It's a bad investment, so you just elective to stop making the mortgage payment. If I have a 35% coverage factor, I have $35,000 worth of coverage for me. So now I foreclose on you, pay the lawyers, I pay the property taxes, I keep it insured because you're a deadbeat, all these things happen, and now I have to sell it. Um, like I said, I loaned you a hundred grand, and now I have to sell it, and I sell it for a hundred and five grand because the markets is what it is. Um my foreclosure costs, tax bill, insurance bill, maintenance, uh, realtor commissions, my title policy, all the things I had to pay to do that, as long as they're less than that thirty-five grand, that coverage I have, I'm okay. Right? I don't want to have to do that. I ain't a moneymaker. You don't get to get paid for your time. So we all hope we never have to do that, but um, there's zero benefit to you, the homeowner, for having this. Right. So mortgage insurance um, is something that you're paying every month that you have to. And the minute that you can prove that you are qualified to stop, you should want to stop that. Um, don't have mortgage insurance and just keep paying it. Um, gosh, and like go back to the first couple I started to tell you about, the FHA loan. If your loan officer told you that your mortgage insurance was going to stop and you made a you know, a minimum down payment on an FHA loan, that's wrong. It's not going to stop. It goes forever. Yeah, it goes, it's a percentage of the loan amount. So over time, it's going to decrease as your loan amount decreases, but it's going to last as long as you have that loan. And um, there, I know some of you are listening that are, that know way more than the average Joe know that if you make a greater than the minimum down payment, if you make a a down payment of more than 5%, you can have um, mortgage insurance that amortizes away after like 11 years, not based on market appreciation. So even that person, I have to say, if that's your game plan, you should call. Uh, oh, man, you should call. There's so many other options. There's, you know, and again, you might be able to do a conventional loan. There's also... Sometimes one of the things that we do is there are loan programs like the Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have where um, they have income restrictions, but you could get reduced uh, interest rate, reduced closing costs, reduced mortgage insurance if you qualify for one of those programs. So sometimes somebody might have bought something with an FHA loan and maybe they'll refinance into a conventional loan, take advantage of one of those programs that that helps keep their payments down. Then um, again, I, and you just got to call. You got to you got to call. You got to look at it. You got to see is this something you should be doing, uh, or are you better off staying the course? And even if you are, what's the game plan there? Okay, when I when I see someone in my neighborhood sell a house for five twenty five, that's my trigger point. That's when I'm going to call. And, and challenge this or, or whatever. Um, so, 
that's my soapbox on that. That's who um, I really I think though any of those people that that have mortgage insurance, if you have an FHA loan, um, if you bought a house in the last three years with less than a 20% down payment, you have some variation of that. One of these programs, it'd be really smart for you to call us and look into it. Let us see what we can do for you. Want to do a commercial break here? Give Jim an opportunity to play another song. (laughs) (laughs) Something to do over here. Yeah. Uh, By the way, the phone lines are open. Do we want to throw that out really quick for after the break? Surely. Yeah. 805-543-8830. That's right. Three. I like to roll my three when I do the KVC number. Three. Yeah. Five four three eight eight three zero. Okay. All right. Yeah. We'll do a quick commercial break here. Take some time out to thank the sponsors. We'll be back in just a minute with more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling five four three eight eight three zero or eight hundred five four nine fifty eight thirty two. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. If you're like most investors, the constant ups and downs of the stock market have you on edge. How do you make sure you keep your gains without jumping ship too soon? At Century Financial Consultants, they have an investment strategy where your money is completely protected against market losses. You go up with the stock market, your gains locked in, and when the market goes down, you don't lose anything. Literally, you go up, never down, forwards, never backwards. Sounds too good to be true? See for yourself for free. Call Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 805-324-7914. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso Robles, Morro Bay, Atascadero, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. If you missed any part of the show, log on to centralcoastlending.com for archived shows and more. Now, back to your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. In the jungle, the mighty jungle 
this forever make me think of Friends now, right? Yeah. You remember, you guys remember this episode of Friends? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I thought that was like a Friends clip you were watching, but it wasn't. <laughs> no, it's the album cover for the tokens. That one guy kind of looks like Drew Carey, though. He does. Yeah. The yeah. tokens. The tokens. Were they a one-hit wonder? I believe so. <laughs> what a song, though, huh? Yeah. You can have one hit. Make it one that everybody knows for time. Forever. <laughs> but, dude, yeah. you probably would have got this, but if that was a Jeopardy question right there about who sang The Lion Sleeps Tonight, yeah. I would have said Elton John or something. Yeah. Just, you know, trying yeah. to make the... What's the Elton John one? <laughs> which, which song the are you lion, talking? Like the Lion King? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah, okay. Yeah, The Lion King. Yeah. The, the circle of life. There you go. You mean like which Elton John song? Yeah. Why? Nah, man. He sang one that was also about a jungle. <laughs> Philadelphia Freedom, yeah. Rockin' Man, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. There's, uh, yeah, there's, there's a tons. lot of them. Uh huh. Yeah. I, I the, didn't mean it like that, you guys. Yeah. yeah the, you know. <laughs> yeah. Elton John has had a long long career of hits yes that's fun yeah i like elton john yeah he's one i wouldn't mind seeing although i don't think he's touring anymore i think he quit touring no way no way yeah it'd be like one of those things of like well okay i'll do a reunion tour or something (laughs) here you go um january you could see Elton John in Oakland at the Oracle. Okay, oh, well then he's there. There you go. There's yep. not. Okay. He's doing. Uh, yeah, it looks like he's making a little uh, retire coming out of retirement next year. It looks like. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He he has a lot of shows booked actually, and man, workhorse like he has shows in October. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, mm. eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen shows in October, and and many of them are so, just back to back to back to back show after he's show. Not retiring just yet? <laughs> no, he's out there. Huh. Good. Yeah, no, I like um, Elton John too. That'd be pretty fun. Yeah, it would be. Fun. I'd rather see him in like a small. I wouldn't want to see Elton John in like a stadium setting. I'd rather go mm-hmm. see him in like a jazz club, you know? You think he plays small venues anymore? No. I mean, <laughs> yeah. No. Well, probably, he might, but the he probably would be, for like you know, some right. political fundraiser for like $15,000 a seat. Yeah. I think you reach a certain level of stardom and you're you're only willing to go. I'll only perform for you tonight <laughs> for 500 grand. Yeah. So unless you want to charge five hundred people a thousand bucks, you could bring in, yeah, twenty five thousand people for two hundred bucks a piece. I'll I take bet, that. I bet five hundred grand's a little light for him too. Yeah, I'm Probably like <laughs> five million. Yeah, I bet, I bet you are right. I was shocked. Somebody was talking numbers about like Garth Brooks at the fair or something was worth like a million bucks a night. Is that right? Yeah. 
That seems absurd to me. Well, what do you pay to go to a concert? A good concert. Anymore? Like $140 a ticket. Let's call it $100. You go sell out a 50,000-person stadium? There's your five million bucks right there. Now, I know it doesn't all go to the artist, no, but still, that's it's... an insane amount of money. And then at the end of it too, like if you so you and because it's so expensive now, I think most people only go to one concert or something. So now when you're going, it's like, well, let's go. We should probably go out to dinner and then have some drinks and take an Uber. So. You're going to spend more than the price of your ticket now per person with all the little other fun that tags onto it. Sure. Makes those things are crazy expensive. Okay. It says here the biggest names in music like Sting, Rihanna, Elton John, Paul McCartney, Taylor Swift, and Justin Timberlake will always ask for over $750,000 plus for a U.S. event and even more for an international event. Wow. That's crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. Crazy, huh? Maybe we should do that, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's go. Mortgage, set, let's just go do a, a concert somewhere. Yeah, Mortgage Matters Live. Can you live, play piano or sing or yeah. anything? No. No. But I'll be your hype man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get the crowd fired up. <laughs> yeah. 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 I always do think I could have been like Ja Rule or something, though. You know who Ja Rule is, right? Sure. He was on a ton of songs, and like the best thing he ever did in his whole career, he was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> People would be singing a song, and in between verses, yeah, yeah. Like, how much money does that guy make? The yeah, yeah guy? <laughs> Yesterday, my daughter asked me, if you could go spend the day with any person, famous or not, dead or alive, who would it be? Your daughter asked you that? Yeah, and what would you do? And I was like, well, that's a great question. Would we, like, be hanging out, like, as friends? And would there be a chance to foster, like, a future relationship? (laughs) Because I'm pretty sure, like, if I hung out with, like... You know, Snoop Dogg for the day, or maybe Adam Sandler. Like, he puts all his friends in movies. And I don't care that they all suck. I want to hang out with Adam Sandler for the weekend. We'll do whatever. Whatever he wants to do, we'll do that. And then he'll like me enough that then I'll just be like, sorry, Dan, I'm going to go. (laughs) I'm going to be in Hollywood now. Stupid satirical (laughs) comedy now for I'm a millionaire. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) <laughs> just kidding i i mean i'd go hang out with jesus of course <laughs> or mike trout i mean that'd probably be fun that'd be boring he's cool and everything he's like a sports it's a weather buff you have to know a little bit about some weather huh? yeah study up on your meteorology <sighs> who would you go see i don't know that's a tough question I'd have to think about it. I, too, would have some follow-up questions before I could give you my yeah, final answer. Yeah, I need answer. to know. I need to know. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and, like, where would you be? Like, if I picked a, a a person that was dead, right, then would I have access to some other dead people, like, wherever they are? <laughs> so I could be like, you know what? I'm I'm – Picking this dead guy because then I'm going to get to go say hi to all these dead people that I've been missing, you know? That'd be cool, but it's probably not how it works. That'd be a big draw to pick a dead person, though. 
Who would you pick, Jim? I have no idea. There's a lot of, lot of people to choose from and when you go over the, the history of the world, right? Yeah, I guess so, yeah. <laughs> a lot of people. I'm still I'm still stuck on this. Uh, how much does Garth Brooks bring into you know? How much does it cost for him? But I haven't really been able to find it. A lot. I found out that he's worth a lot of money. Somebody yeah. said that that show though that that like one show at the fair mm. for a headliner like that was a million dollars. That's what they required to come play it. Well, you, you would think. I mean, it, it doesn't all go to him. I mean, it goes to the band, to the crew, and all that stuff, too. So. Yeah, and security. And that. then, of course, you know, what, 50% so, to the government. I mean, there's, yeah. by the time the whole thing's said and done, I bet you, like, out of the million bucks, Garth is probably stoked if he makes a hundred grand on the night, right? Well, it does say something about a hundred grand right here for him. Yeah, yeah that's probably. Sure, so. mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's probably I mean, after after they pay everybody out, which is nice. But if the dude does a hundred shows a year, I mean, you make that's a lot of money. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let's say we do the Mortgage Matters live show. You think Go we out could there. sell out a fifty thousand person stadium? I think possibly. Yeah. yeah, I'm thinking. I think you know, Garth. Who? I don't think so, you guys. I think <laughs> I think we'd have to pay people ten bucks each. Did you guys watch that show yet? Um, Glow. You know what Glow is? The gorgeous ladies of wrestling. Oh, I've heard of it. I've not seen. Well, it. you remember when you were a kid? Glow was like a thing, right? When WWF, yeah, was going on. Anyway, there's a scene in Glow where that's what's happening to them. They're trying to get people into their first match, and it's going to be filmed, but they need the crowd to like be there and cheer and boo and the whole nine. And um, so they end up going across the street where Back to the Future is playing. And they, <laughs> they're like, this movie's sold out, but we'll give you 10 bucks if you come over here and watch our wrestling event. That's what we would have to do. We'll give you 10 bucks, you guys. <laughs> Come on. I have often thought, though, that it'd be fun to have, like, a Mortgage Matters, like, barbecue in the park. Mm. You know? <laughs> people show up. Yeah. We have to pay people to show up, too. Oh, people might want to come. Just for the free food. Yeah, you could, like, <laughs> <laughs> just for the free food. There's a lot of uh, listeners, Dan. I know. I don't think it's probably, I don't think they're committed enough to probably show up to that, though. What do you think, Jim? Well, I think we do. Would you go if we had a Mortgage Matters like meet and greet? Sure. Why not? It sounds like it's going to be the three of us with a whole lot of extra food. Hot dogs. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) We'll end up having to like move the barbecue out next to the road and just wave them at motorists. Stop and get a hot dog. Why are you guys doing this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we thought we were way cooler than we are. Oh, man. Mortgage matters. Yeah. See, even Jim's laughing at that. You know it's bad when he's laughing at that. Sorry. One pitcher only. One pitcher only. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You get Dan or Don't. Jason's autograph, not both. <laughs> mm. We'd probably sign those in advance. <laughs> Do some headshots or something. 
I don't know. Um, let's see. Let's get let's get serious again. Where's the clock? It's almost break time. <laughs> uh, let's take a break, Jim, so we can get serious again. We're gonna take a break. We're going to get serious here during the break. Well, I mean, I know we do have to do the break, but don't you want to tease at least a little something of what we were going to sure. talk about yeah, when yeah, you yeah. come Let's back? Let's do the tease. That's that's what pros would do, real pros. Real pros would. Okay, let's um, tease away. Yeah. I don't I don't have anything <laughs> I don't have anything great to share with you. <laughs> this is a terrible tease. But <laughs> um no, I did. I thought it would be interesting to talk a little bit about um, some of the global economy right now. There's some, there's some rate change and monetary policy and interesting things. Um, Central Bank of Argentina, that's got to matter. So we'll talk about that. All right. Talk about uh, what those guys are doing in a couple minutes here. So we have a quick commercial break, and then we'll be the conclusion of Mortgage Matters. Stick around. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KBEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. If you're like most investors, the constant ups and downs of the stock market have you on edge. How do you make sure you keep your gains without jumping ship too soon? At Century Financial Consultants, they have an investment strategy where your money is completely protected against market losses. You go up with the stock market, your gains locked in, and when the market goes down, you don't lose anything. Literally, you go up, never down, forwards, never backwards. Sounds too good to be true? See for yourself for free. Call Matt at Century Financial Consultants today at 805-324-7914. That's 805-324-7914. Hi, this is Jason Grody of Central Coast Limit. The most critical part of buying a home is getting pre-approved for a mortgage. Pre-approved buyers are taken more seriously, enjoy a less stressful transaction, and close faster with no last-minute surprises. Before you meet with a realtor, step one is to get pre-approved. Just call 543 Loans. Central Coast Lending is an equal housing lender. California BRA number 018-396-08. DBO number 6054783. number 328 We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. We come on the Snoop John B. My grandfather and me. 
Favorite songs, Why don't they let me go yeah. No, I think it was my first album, actually, Where on record. It was uh, was it Beach Boys' "Endless Summer"? I believe so. Yeah. I think that's what it was. That Those was my guys name. are posers, man. They didn't even surf. It doesn't oh, matter. Yeah, They're good, good songwriters and singers. Yeah, <laughs> when they can put yeah. away, put aside their little differences. Yeah, they're amazing. Actually, I've seen them twice in concert. It's worth it. If you ever get a chance, if you haven't seen them, Dan, <laughs> you uh, better hurry up, man. Yeah, yeah. No, you have to. What year is this video? This video is already old. two years old. Those guys are looking. Yeah, they were uh, back doing a recording session at uh, Capitol Records. That's cool. And uh, that was video from that. But if you haven't seen the Beach Boys in concert, Dan, and you're a fan, you need to go see them. Really, you do. They're very good. Awesome. Okay, I told you guys we were going to talk a little bit about global interest rates. It is a, it's an important thing to to kind of pull your head up and look at what's going on around the rest of the world. And um, during the break, Dan and I got talking about tariffs and impacts to different industries, and um, there's no doubt we're seeing some of that. Um, kind of everybody that's in some sort of manufacturing or some um, somebody related to manufacturing, which is most industries that are dealing with goods or products, um, are dealing with some increased costs of tariffs. So that, that'll that certainly play into a little bit. But um, yeah, the Central Bank of Argentina had an emergency meeting um, two days ago, and um, they raised their interest rate to 60% to try to... Um, to combat the just the crippling currency, um, Argentina has also asked the IMF for a fifty billion dollar loan, and um, and again, like just kind of throw that into context. That's Latin America's third largest economy. So um, that's crazy. Read that. Obviously, investors are concerned. That had a little bit to do with why this week when we see things like. You know, still the economic data here in the U.S. is pretty sound, um, pretty solid. Usually, and and we had that 10-year bond yield trying to make it over 3% a few weeks ago where the tariff stuff started to happen. And then um, we've had various different economies around the world struggling, having issues. Then this most recent one here with Argentina, the 10-year closed out yesterday at 285 on a week where we learned that we had 4.2% second reading of GDP. So that's pretty good. An upward increase of a second reading of second quarter GDP. You would ex- you would think that that would move money from the bond market into the stock market. We also had the stock market four or five days this week. The Dow was up kind of new record high, pushing right? new record highs. Actually had a 22-point correction yesterday in the Dow. So not... Uh, Still positive on the week, not a major correction, but four out of five winning days there. Obviously, this stuff's being held down a little bit by what's going out in the bigger economy. Um, Pull up this list. If you go to globalinterestrates.com, 
you can actually look at the rates of uh, a current summary of interest rates around the world um, as central banks set them. So um, they're organized alphabetically, and um, we could choose to organize them um, from lowest to highest. So that's kind of a fun one, I think. The Swiss rate is the lowest at minus 0.75%. Oh, wow. Yeah. They're just paying you to take money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. Swedish interest rate, same, minus 0.5%. Japanese interest rate, minus 0.1%. European interest rate, zero. And then we move into the positive territory. Um, Snoozer. I'm going to snooze all the way down to America, but you got... Israel, Norwegian, British, Hungarian, Czech, Australian, Canadian, Korean, Polish, New Zealand. In between zero and two. The U.S., of course, at two. And then I feel like it's kind of snoozer until we start talking the Brazilian interest rate, six and a half. South African, six and a half. Um, Russian, seven and a quarter. Mexican, seven and three quarters. Turkish. Remember, Turkey was stealing headlines a few weeks yeah. ago, right? Number 17 economy in the That's world. That's right. right. Did you learn something I from Mortgage sure Matters? did. Woo! I love it. <laughs> Somebody else quoted me that this week, too. I said, you know that Turkish economy matters. And they said, number 17 in the global GDP <laughs> That's list. Right. That's right, baby. Uh, their interest rate's currently 17.75%. Oh, there's 17. their magic number, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Most recently, they raised their rate, too. Their movement was one and a quarter up. Jeez. Um, A lot of these economies, by the way, too, they like to move their interest rate um, in pretty big jumps. Um, Kind of make you thankful that the U.S. just more or less moves around in a quarter. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But... So that that's also part of it. When you look at out out at the broader economy, um, especially when you start talking economies of scale, the U.S. economy and these interest rates seem to be. I mean, our economy we know as a function of like world GDP is a big one, right? I mean, number one. Um, then you've got kind of look at our investment markets and our interest rate, our our own central bank. And see that a two percent, two percent, more or less, kind of middle of the road where everybody else is. But it also doesn't feel like all of the global economies are on really sound footing. I mean, running through that list of even you know like Swiss, Swedish, and Japanese interest rates having negative interest rates still that kind of surprising to me. Well, and I know the world's getting smaller with technology and communication, but. I think it's you're never going to have every economy clicking at the same time at no. the same you know pace or whatever. No, I picture it to be almost like the um that Venn diagram where like you overlap the circles and see like those periods of growth where you could get as many economies in that one time as possible really cranking along um but yeah, there's always going to be outliers, and um, so anyhow, that's that's the state of the state. 
I think, you know, you were talking a lot about the GDP, which is a great number. It's great to see growth picking up. Um, but at the same time, you reference that 10-year note yield. Normally, we would expect that to be higher as our as the economic numbers continue to show strength and improvement. Excuse me. Your head cold getting the better of you? Yeah, it is right now. <laughs> But I think it's just all this uncertainty with, you know, we've got NAFTA being renegotiated right now. We've got tariffs that have been threatened and, you know, some are being imposed, some are still yet to be imposed. I I try to avoid the political commentary a lot on the show. Um, I don't don't like the the polarization where when a company takes a standpoint or a spokesperson for a company takes a stance on – you know, a political party or whatever. I just don't think it's smart. So I like to not do that on the show, but let's call a spade a spade here. We got a president right now that is a Washington outsider, um, really ruffling feathers on both sides of the aisle pretty well. Um, Whether or not you, you know, and most of the economists, when you look just purely at apolitical economists that are looking at trade wars and tariffs and their opinions are pretty much, regardless of what their political leanings are, they don't believe that it's great. Um, the At the end of the day, these renegotiations of these deals, the tariffs, I mean, are ultimately – a work at trying to renegotiate trade deals in general and lessen some of that trade imbalance that's going on. Those things are wild, man. And there's a reason why I think most politicians, again, on both sides of the political aisle, choose to tread real lightly there. You can really rock uh, relations and sentiment. It can really strain um developing economies and um and right now we have a president who's just doubling down on the fact of uh the whole thing seems to be that right wrong or otherwise that you're gonna make the deal better for american trade in in every way at any cost right um of course there's some uncertainty there that's wild um well and right now the costs that we're starting to actually realize are increased costs of certain products to sure. consumers. You mentioned you mentioned solar panels. But my wife works in manufacturing of automobile parts where <sighs> you know they're getting letters from some of their suppliers saying that the only way to you know absorb some of these tariff in you know to increased costs through. is to pass them through to them. Yeah. So that's gonna ultimately be passed through to the consumer. Yeah. And what it makes me wonder is, what's third quarter GDP going to look like? What's right. we already know? Fourth and first quarter GDPs are usually the lower sure. quarters of the year. But what's third quarter going to look like? Well, That's usually fourth a really quarter, quarter has been buoyed up recently by inventories too. If you if you kind of recall and look back at those, that'll be interesting. Are you going to stockpile industry um, inventories based on possibly items? Possibly. Maybe not. And maybe too. that's what helped boost second quarter GDP. Never know. Um, oh, of course, now we run out of time. I have so much more I want to say about GDP. Um, but anyway, here we go. Maybe all those prices are normalizing, though, Dan. 
like interest rates. Then we need wages to normalize too. Let's normalize (laughs) wages too. I love it. Hey guys, uh, it's about the end of the show here, but I want to remind you, if you need loan help, you want to get pre-approved, you want to get your mortgage insurance looked at, call us this week, 543-LOAN. Check us out on the web at centralcoastlending.com. We'll be back next week with another live episode of Mortgage Matters. See you then.